Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 2 of our startup series, where we are taking you behind the scenes at our very own Good Lawyer to show you the highs and the lows, the chaos and the camaraderie of running an early stage startup. Unlike many business podcasts out there, on this show you will not be hearing founders reminiscing about building their company several years after the fact. Rather, you are hearing the raw perspective of entrepreneurs and founders who are currently engaged in the fight to gain traction and to survive and to thrive as a company. We started off the series last week with Good Lawyer's CEO, Brett Colvin. If you hadn't had a chance yet, please do take a listen. And no one better to follow that up than Good Lawyer's Chief Technology Officer and co-founder, Parker Smith. Parker comes on the show to discuss what possessed him to join a startup in the first place, how the Good Lawyer app was built, what skills and abilities he would look for if he had to hire a CTO for a startup company, and he also passes on some of the lessons he has learned and some of the landmines to avoid for any of you looking to build your own product or company. Really, as a non-technical person myself, the lesson I took away from this is just make sure you hire yourself a Parker, who is an undeniable force at Good Lawyer, making sure our site works as smoothly and as intuitively as it does. On a final note, make sure you're keeping up to date on all things Good Lawyer by subscribing to our newsletter, which is a weekly summary of stories relevant to small business owners in Canada, and also includes links to both our recent Good Lawyer webinars and our latest promotions. To sign up, simply visit our website at goodlawyer.ca and enter your email address in the sign-up form. It's really that simple. I guarantee you will love it or your money back. Just kidding, it's free, but still, you should sign up. All right, that is it for me. Please enjoy today's conversation with Good Lawyer's CTO, Parker Smith. Parker, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm glad we could finally get this in. We tried a couple days ago, had a few technical difficulties. You you know, you're CTO, but you couldn't help me fix my problem. So, you know, I uh, already already have some big questions here. (laughs) No, but uh, thank you. We tried our best. No, it was was actually a hardware issue. So I felt a little vindicated in the end because I definitely thought I screwed things up myself. I was trying to do some technical things, which is never a good idea because I don't have any clue what I'm doing. But uh, we are here today and that's what's important. Exactly. Uh, but thank you very much for taking some time um, to come on the show. I know you're a busy guy, so why don't we get right after it here? I'm excited, yeah, yeah, right on. So why don't you start by uh, giving us a brief description of your current role with the company and how you became involved with Good Lawyer? Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm the CTO of the company. So my job day to day is really uh, setting the technical direction of Good Lawyer and just... Uh, solving technical problems within the company and also for our customers using technology so okay if something breaks on the company side that's you and also if uh, any of the clients or customers have any issues you're, you're helping out with that as well exactly yeah okay yeah so uh, sometimes that's through writing code although now we're lucky to have another software developer which is very nice for me so i don't have to get my hands dirty too oh, often with code um and yeah it's <laughs> It's great. I love Get it. your hands dirty with code. That's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's good. Bit of an oxymoron, but that's... Yeah. No, no, <laughs> that's no, that's good. awesome. What, uh, how did you become involved with Good Lawyer in the first place? Like, how did this whole uh, thing uh, emerge? That was a great story. So about, um, like, probably five years ago, I kind of accidentally fell into the startup space. Uh, I decided to build my own app, and for some reason, I, looking back, I have no idea why, 
it was very lost on me that building an app is the same thing as starting a business. So mm. I kind of saw this problem and I was just like, I'm going to build an app knowing nothing about business, no business model, uh, just dove straight in. And that kind of transformed into this kind of three year journey of working with various people, meeting other startups. Uh, and then eventually, um, my older brother actually went to high school with Brett, the CEO. Okay. And uh, I got connected with Brett when he was still living in Vancouver, wanting to build Good Lawyer. They were kind of exploring the idea. So I got connected with them and we started to talk about kind of what the project was going to be, what the business model was like. Um, I started asking a whole bunch of questions around where are we going? What's the future of this? What kind of tech are we going to use? All this stuff. And within... Actually, I think I remember Brett telling me when he first met you, he was like, he thought he was interviewing you, but yeah. he said when he left, it's like, it felt more like he was interviewing I, me. I was, yeah, well, because I mean, I had learned so much after three years of working on other startups. I was not going to dive into something just willy-nilly. I wanted to know there was a direction, right? Um, so so what, what, what was your old app? What were you doing? Uh, so the first one that I built was called Competitor, which uh, I've been quite involved in the climbing community the rock climbing community oh, yeah hey, so cool. um i attempt to do that but i weigh 210 pounds so it's uh, gravity it's, is not my friend yeah. <laughs> um so yeah we uh i basically built an app uh, i was coaching um youth teams at the time so i built an app to compa- to connect climbers with athletes and parents things like carpooling registering for competitions practices uh right on that sort of thing yeah so um it was great and it kind of fit the bill for this one very specific narrow niche very well um but as soon as i started to scale it it that is really where it became a problem god so is it still around today or is it is it shut down the app still exists you can't find it online okay got it one of those i hear the the living dead or whatever yeah Yeah. yeah, Uh, well that's cool so but then it sounds like you learned a lot about you said you went into it blind just jumped in but it sounds like that was a a hell of a learning experience yeah i mean for me i've always been kind of a fail fast type of person i'll just dive straight straight into something and if it fails awesome if it doesn't fail still awesome like I'm going to learn and have a great time regardless. Right. So then what what was it that attracted you to Good Lawyer then? Because uh, obviously this has been a heavy build. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> full on. And did you know what you were time. getting yourself into at the time? Or was it something that developed th- along the way? I think because of my previous experience doing this, I had the most idea. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was Brett who was naive. Yeah, gotcha. It was definitely the type of thing where I, um, I knew it was going to be a long slog and I knew that there was going to be a lot of discovery that we had to figure out on the way. Uh, right. Going back to the story, um, within a month of meeting Brett, I had quit my job and had moved. Uh, I was working full time out of Brett and Steve's apartment. Right. Where essentially strangers to me at that point. Um, I mean, I had known them for a month and I started uh, doing customer discovery, phoning people, just figuring out what Good Lawyer was going to look like. And looking back, it seems like such a leap, just switching gears that quickly. And all of a sudden I'm full time into this project working out of two strangers apartment. Right. It seems crazy, but I mean, so yeah, far it's worked out. Got, so. got to know him pretty quick. Very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> is is that part of a, a CTO job that maybe most people don't know? Is that customer engagement aspect of it? Is that how important is that in your opinion? Massively, massively okay. important. I mean, 
software exists to solve people's problems. Uh, most people would say it exists to solve business problems, but not necessarily, in my opinion. Um, yeah, like if if you're not talking to people and figuring out what the problem is that they need solved and figuring out what it is they need your app to do, then you're typically not going to build the right thing for them. Right, right. right. Yeah, I've, I've heard it said on uh, probably many other podcasts where too often it happens where a company will build something beautiful. It's just something that nobody wants either it's a beautiful software it works perfectly but because they skip that step um you know and ultimately if some if if people don't find it useful it doesn't really matter how uh how cool it is maybe you win some points in your world i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that is a mistake i will never make ever again while building something so so you have to have that direct line to the people who are using it well let's jump on that you you obviously did make that mistake then at one point yeah so i mean that i would say was my biggest mistake with the competitor app was just that uh, I had an idea of a problem that I wanted to solve, but I didn't ever, ever really ask anyone else if they had the same problem. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah, important question. Very important so, question. So related to this then, um, when you go about, maybe tell us how you built the original product uh, yeah. that is Good Lawyer, and then maybe tell me some of the lessons that you've learned uh, from that as far as did you do it the way, did you learn that those lessons, I guess, and, and start with a geared down version or something and go from there? Or how did that work? Sure, yeah. And then and then how do you do it now? Like how when someone pitches you a, an idea for a new product or an add-on to the site or something like that, mm-hmm. how do you go about pro- approaching that to make sure, though, that our customers are getting something that they want and that we're not wasting because we are a startup. It's not for like sure, we have yeah. infinite... We can't yeah. waste the resources. So how, how do you go about doing that? And how was the product originally built? Yeah, so... Uh, actually, um, my first kind of three months working on the Good Lawyer app was not building the app. Um, the very, very, very first thing that we did was uh, actually we built a little Squarespace website. Uh, took about four hours. Um, and then we poured about $500 into Facebook advertising. Okay. And we split it between uh, family law, real estate law, um, right. wills and estates and business. I remember this. Yes. And we had four different ad campaigns running across those four practice areas and kind of whichever one got the most clicks, whichever one we got the most email signups for, that was kind of how we figured out what the niche of law that people would do online was. Um, that's how you determined that ultimately uh, business law and startup law was going to be our focus? Actually, it's interesting. So what that what that revealed was that real estate law was actually the one that people wanted to do online the most. Interesting. Um, so for the very first thing, the very first iteration of Good Lawyer, we went after the real estate uh, legal market quite right. heavily. But the real estate legal market is a difficult one to build a product to do online. And so the business one was kind of the second one. Like it was, it was the one that people were pretty interested in. So we decided to go after that market instead because it was easier to build a product around. Hmm. Um, but at the very least, the thing that it told me the most, um, separating the practice areas was that people wanted to find legal services online, right? There was a market out there for it, right? People were clicking on these ads. They were excited. They were talking to us. They were communicating like I excited for this product. Like, right. Um, people wanted it. Right. And right. That, that was really the key there. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, so you validated the idea in general. Then it was finding kind of which one was the actual uh, segment that you wanted to focus on. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then from there, we started to build 
an MVP right. product, which is minimum viable product. And this is the thing that every startup, including Good Lawyer, gets wrong. <laughs> you try and throw way too much into the first iteration. It's hard not to. It's extremely hard not yeah. to because you you want to satisfy so many things right. for your customer, right? You want to fill that gap. Um, and yeah, so we had a pretty extensive build at the beginning. It was it was pretty extensive. Um, again, luckily through my previous experience, we were able to par it down a lot. But even still, we could have gone with significantly less. So, so, so what you're saying is you and Brett were button heads there on uh... <laughs> <laughs> a lot. But yeah. you know, you need that, right? Right. Everyone has a different opinion, and the way you find the best one is by absolutely exploring multiple different ways of doing things. Okay, so. Then you got the first version built and out there, and then obviously it's it's changed quite a bit from from then till now. So maybe yeah. just take us through what has happened since and uh, and how and how all those changes came uh, came about. Yeah, it's always the type of thing where we just want to talk to our customers, see what they're doing, see how they're interacting with the mm-hmm. app, get feedback from them, figure out what's working, figure out what's not working. Sometimes we build a feature and it's like the idea is there people want to solve but we we executed it in the wrong way right or sometimes we executed something really well but maybe it wasn't quite what something what someone was wanting right exactly right uh so actually the first iteration of the good lore product was uh it was actually a quoting system so customers would come they would request something fill out a form be like this is what i'm looking for that would go to a pool of lawyers and the lawyers would say uh I can do this, I can't do that, this is good. And then they would actually send a quote back to the client being like, this is how much this would cost you. Mm-hmm. Then the clients would have to accept that quote, put in their credit card, and then that would go back to the lawyer being like, okay, this client has booked their job. And um, the biggest thing that we found with that one is it was good. It, it, it helped people a little bit, but there was a lot of friction. There's kind of a lot of volleys back and forth between the client and the lawyer, a lot of communication that has to happen. And totally. so... Um, it became very, very hard to just get people all the way through that process. Right? Of course. Yeah, because one of the biggest issues I know is that, uh, you know, customers, they will have not a full conception of what they need or, or what the lawyer needs to get the job done. So exactly. just providing the an adequate amount of information to get an accurate quote, I'm sure, was difficult in and of itself. It, yeah, 100%. Right. Um, yeah, and so then uh, after kind of seeing how that played out for about three, four months, uh, talking to our customers, it became very obvious that people just wanted to see everything right up front. They wanted to know what they were going to get. They wanted to know what the lawyer was going to do for them. They wanted to know who the lawyer was, Mm. right? They didn't just want to throw information into a black box and get out (laughs) some legal work, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that's where we kind of started building in all the transparency pieces that we have still today. So, so where are where is Good Lawyer today as, from a product perspective? Uh, I would say in a fantastic place. Um, we've gone through a lot of iterations. We've really kind of narrowed down what people are looking for in the legal space. Um, and now at this point, we've built a foundation. Right. right. We might not have a house. We might not have all the bells and whistles people want. But uh, the foundation is there, and it gives us a great place to build from. Amazing. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm very happy with it. So I have to ask, obviously... People with the skills that you possess are in high demand these days. Um, I was actually, we were just talking to another technical guy uh, a couple nights ago, mm-hmm. and, and he was saying how 
you know, uh, technical people have in many ways replaced the traditional sales team uh, as far as the importance within an organization. Okay. And uh, which, yeah, I also yeah. found interesting. And, and I, I don't disagree with now. I, I do think a sales team is obviously still very important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, obviously you need a product to work and any people have certain expectations these days in the way that are, uh, these products are supposed to work. Absolutely. So, yeah. so my question is, is, you know, and you, you touched on it a bit, but like, why are you not at a big company with way better job security, <laughs> making way more money? Why did you choose a pay cut and That's job enough. insecurity in lieu of, uh, yeah. you know, going somewhere where they, I'm sure there would be a, a hundred companies excited to have someone like you on their team? That's a fantastic question. Um, so, I mean, I did actually work in the oil and gas industry here in Calgary for okay. about um, three years. I built a platform for them um, entirely myself. Um but I would say it really comes down to the reason I got into software in the first place. You know, a lot of people get into writing code for various different reasons. I think getting into the video game space is a big one for a lot of people. Um, for me, it was really, I wanted to build products that made people's lives better. You know, right. Um, if I can make people smile after they use my product and they really enjoy that process and it made their day just a little bit better than uh, I've achieved my goal. So for me, it's not so much about the process of writing code, it's about the end product and what someone is really gonna get out of that. Right, yeah. right, okay. So, so it's just the desire, that's, to, that's build your, here, yeah. desire <laughs> to build your own product and, and to obviously have that one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one or interaction with the customer and, and just solving those problems that seems to to be a something that you value exactly yeah and i think uh that's pretty hard to get in a big organization sometimes a hundred so, yeah i would i would yeah. agree that if you're uh you know somewhere in the middle you're not making those decisions and uh you know you're one one small piece of a large pie and sure. uh, i mean don't get me wrong there's for some people that works and absolutely but if you're cut the way that you are i'm assuming that probably wouldn't be that satisfying yeah exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. right on so we do want to obviously this is this is kind of funny because we many podcasts out there or other resources blogs this type of thing are successful people who have either exited their company or they are firmly established giving looking back on what they did and giving advice we're obviously yeah. <laughs> not in that position yet we're still very much uh, an early stage startup and sure. and really in the battle but i think that gives you a unique perspective to offer some advice from someone who is actually in the fight. So speaking to other entrepreneurs out there, people who may be thinking about starting their own company, yeah. you're, I, and actually you can just speak to me actually, forget all of that. <laughs> someone who's a non-technical person, I'm looking to hire a CTO or someone to help me build the product. If you had to replace yourself, what would what types of characteristics would you look for in, in hiring for that type of position? Yeah, um, that's a great question. First and foremost, I always say you really want to find a generalist. Um, Interesting. When you're in a startup, especially from a technical perspective, a lot of people don't realize the number of roles and the number of jobs that that technical co-founder has to fill. Um, Great I actually point. Have, I actually have a list here of Please. roles that I do on a daily basis. You have Please, yeah. front-end developer, back-end developer, <laughs> database development and architecture, DevOps, system architecture, cloud systems, security. And and let's be um, clear, those are all jobs. Everyone that you just, like that's at a different company. In a large those company, are, yeah. those are all individual <laughs> jobs. Um, so 
you really want to find someone who has done it before. You don't want to get a new student, someone who's just graduated, because they're going to have a very narrow skill set. Mm. They might be fantastic at that narrow skill set, but if they haven't built a platform from the ground up themselves, they will not have the experience in all of those different areas, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say the biggest thing to look for in a technical co-founder is just someone who's been through it before. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and obviously, uh, sometimes easier said than done, I'm sure. Oh, but, of, uh, of yeah. course. It's, it's very hard to find someone with that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Hey, yeah. do you have all of these skills? Yeah. Easy, come on, yeah. But it, I would also say uh, the biggest thing, and this is always the thing that I look for when I'm hiring uh developer myself is uh you want to find someone who's not afraid to learn you know um the software industry and tech specifically moves so so quickly right. um, great point none of the things that i learned in school i still use in my day-to-day job that's insane none of them because how long ago did you graduate i graduated in 2014 from state that's insane and so, already it's obsolete what you learned completely that's crazy yeah. so um yeah like you you really want to find someone who's not afraid to kind of take a course, learn, upgrade their skills, watch a YouTube video, figure something out. So self-learning right? is self-learning. hugely important. Yeah. The autodidactile skill set is just massive in software. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I think also one of the things, and I, obviously I don't want to overgeneralize here, but technical people oftentimes aren't the most uh, collaborative or maybe don't uh, enjoy the group dynamic I would also say just watching you and from what I've seen, I mean, you're dealing with multiple people all the time. So you, <laughs> it seems like that type of a skill set, that personality would also be important. Like you're not always going to be able to go into a corner and, and code. You have to engage and, and bring your ideas to the table and have yeah, those discussions. Um, and I would just say like, uh, I know you said um, to give advice to non-technical people, right. but just to provide some advice to technical Please, people yep. as well from what I find... Uh, Sometimes you have to really th- uh, throw your headphones on, write code for eight hours. Right. Um, in a startup, though, you need to be able to kind of switch on and off really, totally. really quickly. You go from writing code for an hour to doing customer support for an hour to mm-hmm. writing code for an hour to hopping in a meeting for an hour. Right. Or two. Right. You're you're constantly on the move, and you need to be able to write really good code, <laughs> being interrupted all the time. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's difficult. It's hard, and it can be really annoying. No but kidding. it's it's a thing that has to happen. So. Right. So who do you know, mostly deal with in this company? Then, like, who helps you? Obviously, the product is a family effort. Yep. Uh, obviously, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, who who else is right in there with you, helping uh, design and 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 pick the direction for the company. Yeah, um, me and Tom, our CPO, work very closely together on gotcha. a regular basis. Typically our flow is Tom will uh, kind of figure out what we need to build or like what the what the goal is. And then me and him will collaborate, be like, what does this feature need to look like? What are the technical challenges that, challenges that have to be solved? What are the UX, UI challenges that have to be solved? Uh, then Tom will kind of create a wireframe this is what things are going to look like this right. is how we make it pretty and right. <laughs> how people enjoy it to use it and then uh, i'll dig in and start to code it um, do you ever does he does it ever happen where you're like tom get real like i, I can't like, good try buddy <laughs> very very I, okay. often yeah. <laughs> yeah especially when you start to get into the deep text uh sort of things like uh yeah, like we're not building. So is it? A, it's a bit like a, an engineer <laughs> architect type of relationship in a the sense. Bit, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a very good way of putting it. And then, how does Brett, uh, 
the CEO, how does he get involved with these types of decisions? Is he just there every step of the way or is it uh, as at some point he, because I know he's a pretty hands-off leader, which I'm sure uh, yeah, you appreciate. It's nice for sure. Yeah. Uh, so how, how does he get involved with these types of things? Uh, typically, the main reason nowadays in the early days, this was very different. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, though, um, I would say most of the time it's around kind of the legal expertise. You know, mm-hmm. we're building a product in a space that me and Tom don't have a lot of experience in, right? right. Um, I know very little about law. Right. Learning every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so just having people to talk to about um, the legal challenges right. that we're solving using technology is big. It's right? cool. Very, very big. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, uh, pricing, that sort of stuff, Brett has um, a lot of value to add there. Right. Um, and Brett spends all day on the phone with customers so <laughs> yeah he's he's one of the few people that never took a liking to texting he yeah. <laughs> always calls which is a great thing for the role he's in right now exactly he's very in touch with the space so. that's right yeah. yeah absolutely no that's great so i guess just kind of last question that i have here is uh looking back on everything that you have done because i think this is one of the most important things i know for me this is how i learn and i give myself many opportunities to look at failures and, yeah. and, and have a <laughs> chance to correct but not so much failure but looking back at everything that's happened so far is there anything that you would change be like ooh, you know what here's where we stepped on a bit of a landmine you know again if you're doing this watch out for this trap that type of thing or or is for it sure, just yeah. like you know what this this takes it's you're you're going to try stuff it's going to it's not going to fully work out you you move it a little bit and you try again oh. yeah i would say uh the biggest thing that i would change is uh building less product on the front end okay um you know with a tech startup you you have to build a product eventually but you don't have to build it immediately. Mm. And that's the biggest thing that I would say is try and find a way to kind of solve that problem for your customers without the tech, then bring the tech into it afterwards to streamline things. Um, And that is the one thing I'd say I would do differently, but you're 100% right. Like no matter what you do in a startup, you're gonna be iterating, you're gonna be learning, and there's gonna be tweaks to make. So Mm. um, yeah, there's really no way to plan. Yeah, for the future uh, sometimes. A hundred percent. But but to your point, if you can do it without dropping fifty k into a product that you're not sure is going to work, exactly. do that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I and I know that that's difficult, even for some of the business ideas that I've had in the past. Uh, you know, I thought that I'm like, oh, this is going to cost fifty grand to even try it out. And but to your point, yeah. it might require a spreadsheet and a bit, uh, you know, a bit of aggravation yeah. to do it manually. But then at least you know if you have something before you, you know uh, that you have a market. And you that's know you right. Have a problem to solve. I think that's, that's hugely important. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. So on to my favorite part of the show, uh, uh, and I yeah. and I mean this, I I am becoming smarter just because of this this part of the show right now and this is where i ask you if you have any favorite resources uh anything along your journey that has really helped you out that you think would help others and because honestly i pretty much take everything that is being offered here and, and read it myself and I, it's been hugely helpful so for sure yeah, yeah. uh so the one uh the one book that i absolutely love that i still refer to on a regular basis is called um the design of everyday things okay um the whole concept of the book is about mapping how people expect something to work onto the way that it actually works. Wow. And so one of the best analogies that they use in the book is a stovetop. Um, stovetops, the dials on the top are always arranged left to right in a line. 
and the burners on a stove are arranged in a grid. Right. And so it's impossible to know from the orientation of the dials to the grid which dial does which. I screw this up to this day burner. all the time. Yeah. So they always say that a better way to do it would be the top left dial affects the top left burner, bottom right dial affects the bottom right burner. So to arrange the dials in a grid just right. like the burners. Um, and to me, that's so powerful because it's just that's how we expect it to work. But that's not the way any stovetop is designed no. for some reason. It's actually a great point. What the hell? <laughs> I know. Uh, so yeah, that book for me is just, it's it's amazing. Um, so for anyone interested in product design, this would be, uh, even now, but... could a layman like myself read it and understand? Of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah, and that's that's where the everyday things right. comes in. You know, it's it doesn't dive into the technical stuff it's entirely on a conceptual level and it's it's fantastic so and and i'm not sure if you have any other ones but is there any is there that sounds fantastic by the way and i'm definitely <laughs> going to get that um is there any books because i think one of the problems at least that i know i've run into and, and just again seeing the inside workings of good lawyer um you know brett the ceo who is also you know the the visionary here yeah. might have an idea come to you and say this is what we want to do and you're like brett for the love of god that's gonna take like six <laughs> months and 12 other people is for there sure, is yeah. there is there any resources that you have that could help again uh non-tech layman's like myself better understand what it is you do because i feel that they're uh, or or how can someone like me go yeah. go get a better understanding so i can speak to you in a language and have the, a conception of what's going on for sure um it's it's definitely tricky because, uh, like, without knowing how to code, it's hard to solve a problem using code, right? Exactly. Um, one of the things that I always say, though, is, like, before I dive into a new technical challenge, I really have no idea how to solve at all. Mm. Or maybe there'll be something that um, I have to learn, some kind of a new technology that I'll have to learn. Um, Udemy is a fantastic online resource. Okay, um, yeah. They provide online courses from other people working in whatever industry you're right. looking for. Uh, the courses are $15 Yeah, typically. Very, and they, very affordable. They give you, um, it might not be all the learning that you have to do, but it's a baseline of sometimes when you're starting, you just, you don't even know what to Google. You know? Exactly. How do I start? You don't know what this? you don't know. Exactly. And so those courses I find for me, they really help just set a direction. And then for me, I can go wherever I want to take it. So you still use those? All the time. Wow. Okay. Time. That's, uh, <laughs> no, that's really cool to know. Cause I, yeah, I would have figured someone like yourself might've been beyond that, you know? So no, and that, that's great to know. Cause obviously someone software, very talented right? like yourself. Yeah. That's you're always learning. Amazing. There's, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the other, the other please. thing that I would say is, uh, just cause kind of a final resource is, um, there's a group here in Calgary called Pixels and Pints, which is a fantastic uh, meetup group where it's a whole bunch of uh, technical people, non-technical people, people looking for developers. They all get together and they talk shop for uh, two hours over some beers. And every single city has a group like that. Um, if you're looking for a technical co-founder or you're just learning to, you're just wanting to connect with other technical people, um, Groups like that are fantastic. Everyone's so friendly, so inviting. So Boom. Yeah. That's awesome advice. Get out of the basement, stop writing code, and uh, get out there. There you go. <laughs> I, I, that's, you know, that's great advice because you're right. You, can't, you can only solve so much locked in your 
own room you do have to get exactly. out there that's the way that uh this world works whether you like it or not you need other people uh, obviously yeah. be safe in covid <laughs> yes obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh anything that we missed any last uh parting shots here that you'd like to get in no i think uh, i think that's pretty good for me i'm uh that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, <laughs> as always, well, no, 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 you know, I've known you for, what, a couple years now, yeah. something like that, and I just learned a lot. I did not know a lot of things that were brought up, so uh, <laughs> even yeah. about even about the build of Goodler, I'm like, oh, that's how that happened, okay, yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, you're filling <laughs> in my knowledge here, so I yeah. greatly appreciate it, but uh, yeah, this was excellent. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, taking the time, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, been a really long journey, but uh, it's only up from here, I think. We're getting traction. It's starting to get exciting. Exactly. It's starting to get exciting here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the future's bright for for Good Lawyer. And uh, you know, we have a hell of a team. I'll, I'll say that for sure. So, uh, and obviously, okay. you're a cornerstone of that. So, excellent. Thank you very much once again for coming on. And uh, obviously, I'll talk to you soon. For sure. <laughs> Thank you, man. Take it easy. Thanks again to Parker for being on the show. And be sure to tune in next week for our third installment of Good Lawyer's Startup Series. If you like what you heard today, please download, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you have a great week.